somebody told me this a long time ago and it always stuck with me. The definition of accountability is noticing without judgment. And so I like to hold my team members accountable, uh, our broker owners, if they want that. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to RateMyAgent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 290 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, thank you so much for telling a friend. And I really think you need to tell a lot of friends about episode 290. I am going to be talking to Sherry Chris. Sherry is the Chief Executive Officer of the Realogy Expansion Brands Portfolio at Realogy Holdings Corporation. Sherry has been a regular at the Inman event since 1999. Yes, every year since 1999. And she's doing some amazing things. I'm not going to read her bio to you. Instead, I'm going to interview her and ask her about those steps along the way and get her story. Let's get this thing started. Sherry, welcome to the podcast. Well, Bill, thank you, and it's my pleasure to be here today. Well, I, I you know, I am so excited. I, I've told all my friends, I go, guess who I got on the show? I'm going to be talking to Sherry Chris, and especially, you know, this Inman community that I've been a part of now for over a decade. Um, we're going to talk about that later, but, but you know, you're a big part of that, and uh, I just am thrilled to have a chance to chat with you. Well, and likewise, I've been following you for many years as well. And so it's great that we're finally sitting down and having a chat. So first of all, I, I, I have to bring up, I like to start at the beginning. And for most guests, that's kind of like where you grew up. And I, I know that you are an Ontario native. Is that, did I get that part right? Well, actually, I was born in Montreal, Quebec. Ah, and, all right. Um, then my family moved to Ontario, to London, Ontario, when I was in the second grade. Okay. And so London, Ontario is really my home. Did any of that French stick around for a little Ooh, while? Uh, oui, parlez-vous français? <laughs> no, but uh, no, but I would imagine I would imagine second grade you you picked up quite a bit before you moved. Yes, so absolutely, <laughs> that's, great. that's great. London, Ontario is that close to Toronto? I think it is. Right? Yes, it's about it's about an hour and a half uh, okay. west of Toronto. So my sister still lives there with her family and. I uh, still own a property in Toronto, actually. I own a home in Toronto. And so I've got a number of family members still there that, well, uh, in fact, Bill, I am flying to Toronto on Thursday of this week. So, yes, because Canada has opened up now. It was completely closed down during COVID. The borders closed primarily. So I'm excited to go back. Yeah, I I know there were, you know, I, I follow a lot of sports and it was just a hassle for like the Toronto Blue Jays can't play home games because exactly. they had to play in Buffalo, right? Because <laughs> you, you couldn't get the teams across the border. They had to play in Buffalo. That was not great. And then, of course, you know, if we're talking Canadian sports, I was very sad that the Canadians, that my team did not win the Stanley Cup this year, but hopefully they'll be in the running next year. Well, there, look, I now I have to share something with you. Um, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. Oh, and Tampa. <laughs> as we speak, the Stanley Cup is on the Hillsborough River on the parade 
up uh, up the river so all the fans the, can line up to see it. So it's fantastic. I'm, <laughs> it's been um, for for a guy like me who grew up in San Diego and Phoenix, who, where no championships are won in any sport. I can't even imagine what it was like to be a Montreal Canadiens fan because back in the day there was nothing but championships. I mean, they twenty something. I think <laughs> they're a pretty good team. It was fantastic, and uh, of course, hockey night in Canada. Uh, we grew up on that as children, and so yeah. you know, my mom and dad uh, let us stay up to watch hockey night in Canada. That's that's all we wanted to watch. I love that. That's great. Uh, that along with Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice, nice combo. That's good. Yes. Yeah, you got the professor, and you got uh, I don't know a good Canadian from the past. Okay, I, I like asking this question just because I get unique answers, and we've had a, quite a few guests from Canada on the show. But what, what in your mind is the biggest misconception Americans have about Canada? It's a great question, and gosh, you know, like there are a few things. One would be that. I always get, oh, Canadians are so nice. You've probably heard that before. I'm thinking, yeah, "Yeah, sometimes we are, uh, but it is, it's a slightly different culture, but it's very, very much the same. That's probably the most common. And then it used to be that some people, of course, that has fallen by the wayside now with technology and the internet, but some people thought that there was snow in Canada, you know, um, all year round. And there isn't. In fact, in Toronto right now, it's probably just as hot as it is where I am. And I'm in Florida as well right now. That that leads to a secondary question. Are you telling me that Canadians aren't very nice? (laughs) We are nice. You know, I think we're, uh, you know, we're kind and complimentary. Ah. uh, But, um, you know, we're also I think we're more assertive than Americans think we are. I'm thinking of a couple of Canadians I know right now, and I, I will agree with you 100%. So let's see, you grow up, growing up in the, uh, in the uh, Ontario, you end up going to university there, you get, you get your master's in business administration. What were you thinking you were going to do with that? What was the goal for, for Sherry coming out of college? Well, I was already in real estate by that time. Okay. And uh, so I went back to school to... Uh, do my MBA because uh, I wanted to further my career in real estate. I I started selling real estate um, at an early age and uh, then became a broker, uh, branch manager of a large real estate corporation, National Canadian Company. And um, I thought I can do more. You know, it's funny that many people find the highest and best use of their skill set over time. Sometimes it takes people longer to do that. Sometimes it doesn't. And so I found the highest and best use of my skill set to be really helping others achieve their goals and exceeding their own expectations. And so that's that's been my path pretty well since day one. The additional education just uh, was an add-on to that. Well, wow. we're going to talk a lot about that topic because, as I mentioned, kind of when we opened up the, the podcast, your presence on the stage at Inman is amazing and your message is so consistent. Was there like a trigger? Was there something that, that you said, wow, I, I can be a realtor or I want to be a real estate agent? Was What was that moment? Oh, yes, there was a moment. And, okay. you know, I think that <laughs> a lot of agents that I've talked to have had a similar moment. And so my moment was as a young woman in her 20s, I was 
buying my first home. Very, very excited about that. And went through the whole process with a realtor. And uh, at the end of it, I thought, wow, um, I could do that better. And I could, you know, exceed customers' expectations. And so I got my real estate license nights and weekends secretly. And then, you know, eventually took the plunge. Now, the funny thing is, is that I was not very good at it to start with because, uh, you know, being in my early 20s, not having a boss was so empowering, but it was empowering in the wrong way. I thought, I don't have to go to work today. I can go out to the clubs every night if I want, and nobody is going to hold me accountable. And that's probably where I learned the lesson of accountability where we all need to be held accountable and we want to be held accountable. And, you know, uh, somebody told me this a long time ago and it always stuck with me. The definition of accountability is noticing without judgment. And so I like to hold my team members accountable, uh, our broker owners, if they want that, but accountability is a great thing. And so I learned that early on in life and also learned that maybe selling real estate wasn't the right thing for me, that um, I, I, you know, had a calling within the industry in a different way. Yeah, I love that. I love that definition. It um, brings to mind a value at Rate My Agent, which is like being straight up, right? Really letting people know, once again, without judgment, if you're seeing something that needs to... um, go in a different direction. Does that kind of make sense? Exactly. And so, you know, if I was um, holding you accountable, Bill, uh, you know, for Rate My Agent, I might say, Bill, have you contacted Realogy yet uh, to <laughs> to talk to us about your product? And right. uh, if you said, well, no, I haven't gotten to that yet, I would say, well, Bill, we're the largest real estate company in the world. So there could be a good uh, sale here for you. And that's, you know, holding someone accountable, noticing, but not judging that person for, for not making the sales call. Right. And I think this ties in perfectly with um, something I, I, I've seen you talk about and even write about. And that is, you know, really, really early in your career, you focused on, on really remaining humble. I got to tell you, in this world of of real estate, sometimes that's not high on um, some people's lists. <laughs> and so, I'd love for you to share your thoughts about the importance of this. You know, even especially today. You know, in today's world, it's so important today. But it all it always has been, and yeah. that is a natural trait of mine. And so, it's easier for me to practice humility and what I also like to call servant leadership, where mm-hmm. I believe that I'm on this earth. And doing the job that I'm doing and having chosen the career that I chose to help others be the best that they can be. And if that happens, then that elevates me as well, particularly if they're working within one of my two brands that I oversee and um, and our parent company in general. And so it, it also ties into giving back and, you know, giving openly without asking for anything in return. And I believe that the more you give, the more you do get back and that, you know, often giving will, uh, you know, create a scenario where you get back tenfold 
where things happen in the funniest ways that you would never dream possible. And that's because you're openly giving and you've opened yourself to new opportunities and new channels. And so for me, that works very well. It's not everyone's style and other styles work. I would never judge someone for uh, who they are, or how they do business. But for me, this works. And it really, you know, it allows me to feel great every morning when I get up and I think, what am I going to do today to make a difference in this industry, in this world. And uh, when I go to bed at night, I know that I've done something that has been very positive. Wow. I, I would think part of that um, waking up process, it could even be just, what am I going to do to help somebody today? You know, maybe exactly. there's some, someone in your mind, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. And it doesn't have to be business. Um, it, yeah. uh, uh, you know, this is kind of a silly story, but it does tie into what we're talking about. So here in uh, the uh, building that I live in, and I'm in Palm Beach, Florida, and so a lot of the residents, a small building, a boutique building, but a lot of the owners go away for the summer. They're not permanent residents. And so I decided that, uh, and there aren't a lot of Ubers here. Uh, You know, uh, actually, you know, I think that Uber, Uber drivers, some Uber drivers have gotten other jobs and, you know, because there wasn't a lot of Uber travel or necessity mm-hmm. during COVID. So what I did here is um, I offered any neighbor that uh, wanted, if if I was available, I would drive them to the airport with oh. their dogs, with their, with their suitcases. And uh, the Palm Beach airport is about 10 minutes from here, but getting there, if there's no one to drive you can be a hassle. So that was my, you know, sort of random act of kindness during May and June. And now I'm sitting here, I'm like, nobody's left. uh, And who's going to drive me to the airport uh, (laughs) this week? But it's just stuff like that, where, you know, I mean, why not? Right? Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. That's that's not a silly story. That's an awesome story. That's great. Thank you. Your, uh, you had a real estate career going in Canada. Something got you to come down to the United States. What was that? Opportunity. And I started, you know, uh, I started getting recruited by U.S. headhunters within the real estate space and looked at a couple of opportunities. And then I thought, you know, um, if I'm going to if I'm going to do this and um, do it to the best of my ability, there's a much larger footprint in the U.S. And so I did take the plunge and really wanted to end up at Realogy uh, and had my sights set on it. And that's where I ended up. So it took me a couple of years to get there, but um, that was 15 years ago. So I've been with Realogy for 15 years and I really do love the company. I admire our leadership and everything that takes place because we're in the business of real estate to help others. And that, that ties back to the whole, you know, giving back servant leadership, Mm -hmm. all of that, because what we really want to do is ensure that everyone has a home, uh, but that, you know, if families are able to purchase a home, we can help facilitate that dream of home ownership. 2008, right? You're named CEO and president of Better Homes and Garden Real Estate. Um, this this is dead smack dead in the center of the Great Recession, <laughs> and and you're 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 trying to get a new brand up and going and really running. Um, can you talk about that challenge? Yes, and you know, 
sometimes a challenge is actually an opportunity. And so uh, we signed a 100-year licensing agreement in October of 2007 with Meredith Corporation. And Meredith owns the Better Homes and Gardens trademark. Mm -hmm. And so we licensed the name globally for real estate with the idea that we were going to launch in July of, of 2008. And so we had that nine-month period of time, a very small group of us, to uh, build out the value prop, to uh, build out the technology, which was much more basic back then, 13 years ago, and uh, look for prospects. We had no listings, no broker owners, you know, really just a dream and a fabulous name. And of course, during that time, the you know, the financial crisis, and uh, then, you know, what many would call a recession hit. And so rather than having lots of money to spend, um, I found myself cutting our budget quarter after quarter, Mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that we stayed within the guidelines that we had to, and uh, launched a brand in a different way. But what I found during those early years that was so rewarding is that broker owners are optimists and they look for, you know, the next phase of their lives as it relates to their brokerage business. And so even though many were faltering, many were looking at, okay, what do I want to do in 2011 and beyond when we come out of this? And so uh, aligning themselves with a new brand, a fresh value proposition that helped franchise sales tremendously. And so It was a great learning experience for all of us that taught us, no matter what the situation is, you know, you have to look for a silver lining and figure out how you're going to be successful in in launching and continuing to grow a brand. At the brand level, I would not, in the brokerage level, I would not think of that as a as an opportunity, I, I, I get it for the individual realtor who des- who decides, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna serve people that need help. I'm gonna go take care of short sales and do those kinds of things. There's ways to pivot, but to be able to do it at a at a corporate level, that's that's very interesting. It's it was unique, and you know, I think back to and this was a great learning experience for me when I started in real estate. The interest rates were 18, percent mm-hmm. and um, I didn't know any you know different, and so. We had to figure out how to sell homes to people, uh, you know, with an 18% interest rate. And we did, you know, creativity. uh, There's always a way, you know, if you have a motivated seller and a motivated buyer, uh, there's always a a way to make a transaction happen. And so that stuck with me and helped guide me through, you know, the years, um, the tumultuous years of 2008 and the few years beyond. And of course, then we came out of it and look where we are now. Who would have ever imagined? Nobody. There's nobody I know that claims they knew this was that 2020 would be <laughs> what it was. Exactly. Uh, unbelievable. I've mentioned Inman a couple times. Uh, you are, uh, I'm going to call you a regular on stage at Inman Connect. Uh, I love that I mentioned before, your message is always on point. Um, just the way you talk about uh, even, you know, Realogy and Better Homes and Garden Real Estate, just fantastic. And I, I just want to guess that you and Brad have a pretty tight relationship. And 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 if first of all, is that right? And if it is, there must be like a Brad story somewhere you could share. <laughs> well, here's the, here's what happened is that, gosh, um, it would have been a, around the year uh, 1990, you know, 1998, um, which was 
uh, one of the first years that uh, Inman launched uh, his conference. He had a news show and, you know, a, a news site, but um, not a conference. And so I happened to go to NAR that year and which I, you know, continue to go every year, of course, missed the, the last couple because of COVID. But uh, Inman News had a booth at NAR. So I went up to the booth. I'm thinking, what's this? You know, I'm a girl from Canada. I don't know, don't know much. And so I find out that there's a conference that's going to take place in San Francisco. And I got the information, went back to, at that time I was, and I was with uh, Royal LePage for 16 years and in various leadership roles, went, went back to my boss and said, you know, there's really interesting things happening outside of Canada. Are you okay if I go to this conference in San Francisco? The answer was yes. So I went and, you know, I was just so mesmerized by everything. And uh, particularly Brad Inman on the stage where he was talking about things that hadn't happened yet and um, such a forward thinking person. So Afterwards, I went up, introduced myself to him. I said, I'm from Canada, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, would you be interested in speaking at my conference? Because um, I was um, heading up the Royal Page Conference in Canada at that time, which was the, the very first conference that we ever had. He said yes. So it was in Ottawa, Ontario. He flew in. He gave a message. Probably half the audience had no idea what he was talking about. The other <laughs> half... I uh, thought, whoa, this is incredible. And so then he said to me, you know, would you speak at my conference, his Inman conference? I said, yes. That's how the relationship started. And so I think that I have spoken at every Inman conference uh, since then. And he has spoken at almost all of my events as well. Uh, from that, of course, a long-term relationship. We're friends. Um, you know, we... Um, help one another. We've mentored one another over the years, and uh, it's a great relationship. But it started by chance because I went to the Inman News booth at the NAR conference. So there's a story for you. I love that. That's great. I mean, look, th- th- that's how everything starts. It's it's, it's in a garage, it and it turns into Apple or something. exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it's really like you have to. Um, and this goes for friendships, for business relationships. Relationships take work. You know, they don't happen automatically. Uh, you know, people would say marriages, relationships with your family members, your children, everything takes work. And a relationship like that, it took work. You know, we um, reached out to one another. We contacted each other. We said, what do you think about this? What do you think I should do with this? And so that's how uh, a strong relationship forms. And you know, relationships are very, very important in life. And I think that a lot of people during the last uh, year and a half with COVID have come to that realization, you know, sitting in their home thinking, wow, what's what's my life going to look like after this is done? And we have to work at those things. This kind of leads me in um, kind of perfectly into this question about um, some values you implemented at, at Better Homes and Garden Real Estate when you when you got there and when you when you took over the acronym is Page with an I. Um, can you share those values and how and you know a little maybe a little bit about how they 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 make that relationship building and those things that we're talking about easier to do and more powerful? 
Absolutely. And so, you know, in launching the Better Homes and Gardens real estate brand, uh, my uh, CEO at the time, the CEO of Realogy, said to me, Sherry, I don't want you to, you know, build this value proposition out like our other brands, because we have those brands. We have Coldwell Banker, Century 21, et cetera. So let's make this different. So we did some consumer research and we researched millennials as well to find out, you know, what are people looking like? What's the customer want? Because one of the things in real estate is that we don't often look at the customer. You know, we look at building tools for agents, but what about moving beyond agents and looking at the end consumer? So part of the research that we did, well, it it showed a number of different things, but one thing stood out and that was that consumers like to align themselves with brands and companies that stand for something. Hmm. And uh, part of that was a stated set of core values. And so uh, the initial team, uh, we worked with an outside consultant and came up with our five core values and rearranged the letters. So, uh, you know, it ended up being page, which actually was, it made it easier for us to remember at the time. Now, of Mm -hmm. course, it's embedded in my brain. But uh, so page originally stood for passion, authenticity, innovation, growth, and excellence. And so Mm -hmm. there's a meaning behind each of those words. And the, the core values are stronger today than they were 13 years ago. And, you know, some people thought, oh, you know, that'll last a couple of years. And then because these things sometimes fall by the wayside. But uh, my chief marketing officer, Jen Marchetti, we've worked together for 10 years. And um, about four years ago, uh, she came to me and she said, you know, like innovation isn't really, uh, you know, a, um, a word that is used as much anymore. And what we need to do is somehow include diversity and inclusion, you know, into our values. And so we, you know, played around with all of this and then, you know, ultimately decided to take uh, innovation and exchange it with the word inclusion. So that's our I now. And it was a very important change uh, for a whole host of reasons. Not everybody liked it. Some people did not like it, but almost everyone did. And uh, that is so important now because for us, inclusion means including all people and ideas. Mm. So it's not just people. And, you know, the makeup of the consumer is very different today than it was 15 years ago, 20 years ago. But it's also looking outside of our industry for ideas. And that to us, um, you know, really embodies inclusion. So I'm proud of those values. And, uh, you know, every employee that we hire, we talk about it. Every, you know, franchise prospect, we talk about our values. And if the franchisee, potential franchisee, says to me, you know what, that's a bunch of hogwash, uh, then they're probably not going to, you know, become a Better Homes and Gardens franchisee. So ah, I think that's critical, right? I mean, um, it, it is. I know for a lot of people, um, the, the phrase would be, you know, culture is non-negotiable, right? Yeah, culture, you know, is definitely non-negotiable. And when you look at companies that um, are very strong, uh, and if you look at real estate companies and brands that are very strong, there's a strong cultural alignment, uh, you know, between the the franchisor, the brand itself, the broker owners, the agents. And that is very powerful. And that's how you will 
strategically continue to grow your company uh, by by building a strong culture. And there are many real estate companies that don't have a culture, and that's not a good thing. Right. Good. You know, you're now president and CEO of the expansion brands portfolio at Realogy. Yeah. First of all, what does that mean? And second, what what part of that role excites you most? Well, <laughs> I'm very excited by this. And so this will be uh, two years in October. Two years ago, I was approached and asked if I would be interested in taking on the ERA brand. And, um, you know, just taking the principles that we use to build BH&G uh, and uh, utilizing those against a very, very popular brand, a brand that is going to be celebrating its 50th anniversary in uh, 2022. We're getting ready for that. But just to take, um, you know, business best practices and how could we uh, utilize it? So I thought that, wow, this is a great opportunity. And so I said, yes, but I want my existing leadership team. You know, I want to have the best people in place. And so, you know, what we can do is, operate and oversee two brands, two great brands that are very different, um, very successful, both of them, and see how we can incorporate best practices from each brand into the other. And so we've been able to do that over the past two years. And we've been able to save money to reinvest back into both brands. So that's a benefit to the broker owners. And uh, it also allowed my team to, you know, some of my team members to have expanded roles where, you know, they're able to take what they do best and expand into another brand. And so I think that it's worked out really well. Now, you know, on both sides, the a couple of broker owners were saying, well, you know, um, we want our own CEO. And so <laughs> uh, I had to prove myself and build trust. So it was like starting over again, starting from scratch and building trust within the ERA brand and then proving to the Better Homes and Gardens real estate brokers that I was still there. Nothing was changing, but it was going to be better in the end. And so I, I hope that I've been able to accomplish that. It feels as though I have. And so I just love it. And, um, you know, we were uh, looking at launching another brand nationally, which we didn't do. Uh, and thank goodness, because COVID hit and all of that. And so I think now we're going to, you know, build these two brands, and we call them the expansion brands, because both of the brands have room to grow. They have room to grow domestically, and also internationally ERAs in 35 countries. It's actually bigger internationally than it is in the US. It's not wow. in Canada. Um, and BH&G has not grown that much internationally. And so there's just some great synergy. And a number of the broker owners know each other and respect each other. And so um, I, I'm just super excited to have had the opportunity. Best of luck with that. That sounds <laughs> That does sound very exciting and a lot of work, but I think you're ready for it. You talked about giving back and this, this, I just have to ask this question about new story. You're on the advisory board. Yes. This is an, this is an amazing organization. Do you mind, do you mind sharing their mission for, for the listeners? Well, this is, you know, I'm very passionate about this and here's an interesting story for you, Bill. Um, and it ties in the news into it as well. So uh, about five years ago, I was at um, 
um, an Inman conference in LA, actually, it was a luxury connect. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was speaking at it. And uh, afterwards, I sat in the audience. And so this young man came on stage and started talking about uh, his vision. And his vision was really around providing homes for the people around the world that do not have homes. And so I thought, oh, this is interesting. And so um, as I'm listening to him, I'm thinking, wow, this could be a great project for better homes and gardens, real estate. We could build a community and help homelessness in third world countries. So I went up to him, um, Brett Hagler, after, and I said, I have an idea. Do you have any corporate sponsors? Like, do you, uh, you know, have you gone down that path yet? He said, no, we've only built 15 homes. So I said, here's my card. Call me. Um, I want to talk to you. So I left. I thought, you know, if he doesn't call me, it wasn't meant to be. You know, I think you've probably figured out that's kind of my <laughs> mantra. Yeah. Of course, he called the ne- very next day. Yeah. And so it took us a year of planning to work on something that he hadn't done. They were just building individual homes from um, individuals' donations. And we created a partnership where we built a, well, it ended up being a 91-home community in El Salvador. Um, and 500 uh, people, 91 families, live there now. And they were living basically in dirt floor huts before that. I visited um, with a number of them in their previous homes as we were building this. And uh, then, of course, after they moved in. So what they've done is they've created a community and a culture. Each of these communities, and there are a number of them now, they've uh, New Stories built over 2,000 homes now in various countries, Haiti, El Salvador, now Mexico uh, is, you know, the target now. And it's just incredible because uh, these families are so grateful and it's such a wonderful charity. And it's actually, uh, it was founded by four millennials and it's grown significantly now. And so I wanted to stay involved. So I personally, Uh, am involved, you know, from a financial perspective. And uh, there are a group of us that are called builders. So we help fund the charity and, you know, look for donors that will donate uh, where 100% of their donations go towards the building of a home. So each home is somewhere between six and $10,000 for a 500 square foot home. And uh, it has you know, indoor plumbing, a kitchen, all of those wonderful things that every home should have and people, you know, are able to own. They they own the home. So what also has happened is it's gone well beyond that because what we've been able to do is track the, um, you know, average income. So, for example, you know, the average income of a family in El Salvador was about $200 a month. And so we've been able to track that and see the in the increase in average income, the um, increase in healthy children, more children are going to school. So, you know, that the home is just the start of it. Everything surrounding that is so important as well. So it's definitely a passion of mine. And in fact, um, I believe a group of us are hopefully going to Mexico uh, in about six weeks to kick off another community and we're just going to keep going. (laughs) Wow. 
we, we will definitely put a link to a new Thank story you. site in the show notes. So if people want to get involved, they'll, they'll have a way Absolutely. to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Sherry, I've had you pass the time I asked of you. So I'm going to quickly ask you the last question I've asked every guest on the podcast. And that is, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent, what would it be? My advice to a new agent today, if you're starting in the business, is the same advice that I would have given at any time during my career, and that is to create deeper relationships with uh, your end consumers, the the customers that you're working with. And it's even more important today than ever before, because as we look at the increasing sophistication of technology Mm -hmm. and the fact that consumers can find so much more now online and do so much more online that that personal relationship is is more important than ever. And one of the things that I found during the last 16 months of COVID is that as you know, human beings, we crave personal relationships. And so we want to we want to make sure that we're more together as humans uh, today and in the future than ever before. And that applies to real estate. And um, in such a huge way. And so I my advice is not around what CRM product to use. It's around how you can give back to people by helping them, uh, you know, find that dream of home ownership and allowing them to dream about the next phase of their lives with their families. Sherry, if someone wants to reach out to you, is there a way they can do that? Absolutely. So I'm hoping that uh, the listeners will follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and Twitter. And it's just Sherry Chris, S-H-E-R-R-Y-C-H-R-I-S at Sherry Chris. And I would love to follow um, all of those people back and connect with them. And, uh, you know, for those who are uh, very smart. You can find my email address and even cell phone is out there too, <laughs> um, if necessary. But uh, this has been such a pleasure, Bill. And you are a great interviewer. You're very calming, which is <laughs> has anyone told you that before? Um, I've heard that. I've heard that before. I, I look. I think that uh, it's really easy when when you. I get to pick and choose who I interview and I interview very interesting, smart people. It makes the job so much easier. So thank you. Thank you for, for doing this for us. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the real estate sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to the real estate sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. (laughs) 